following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, where y'all at? It is a thrill. I love this show. You're telling me a big fat lot. I was hoping for funny crazy. I will get on stage on Broadway and I will reenact the rantings of Charlie Sheen one day. Think you can replace me with some other guy? Go ahead. It won't be the same. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. Do not bring Shakespeare into this. You're so smart. Oh, really? Well, so are you. And yes, the rumors are true. They smoke, they drink, they use bad language in mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses in this room. I know exactly who that is. That's the mother that loses every goddamn game. That's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Get rid of him. Wow. Bros, come on. I love you, bros. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me Savior! Two receivers to the left of Heineke. The low back is Robinson back to pass out the shotgun. He's got Robinson in the flat on the right side. He's got a man to beat. He stays in the beat. Gets the end up. Touchdown, Washington. 11th play of the drive. Been 10 runs and one pass out of the shotgun. Heineke. Play action. Looking. Throws towards the end zone. He's got a man there. John Bates. Touchdown, Washington. Mariota. The pass. It's deflected in the air. It is picked off potentially by Washington. It is. It's Kendall Fuller. Don't get cocky, fuck nuts. No, no, no. They are not getting cocky, but I am not changing a thing. We got to go with consistency here on another Victory Formation Monday. Third in a row. What a Gloria. Welcome to the Bob Matthews Podcast, everyone. Delighted to have you along. And in just a couple of minutes... We're going to be hearing from the guy that called those two touchdowns on the Commander's Radio Network over the past weekend, my good friend Scott Jackson, who was filling in for Brem Weinstein, who was under the weather this weekend. And Scotty got the call of a lifetime as this, a lifelong Commander's fan, as well as one hell of a broadcaster, was able to uh, do play-by-play of a very exciting 19-13 win for the Commanders. Three in a row now, six out of seven, seven and five on the year. And yeah, oh, by the way, right now, today, they're the seventh seed in the NFC playoffs. Don't need any help from the Giants. Don't need any help from the 49ers. Don't need any help from Seattle at this point. Keep winning you stay in the seventh hole, and maybe you move up. That's just the reality of the situation with six weeks to go in the regular season. Now, those are a long six weeks, and one of the things that we have to figure out is can they sustain this? Is this a sustainable business model? The argument against it is that you've just got to score more points. I mean, you're just not going to win games by scoring 19 points a week, but they keep doing it. If you want to be optimistic about it, I think you just look at it and say, this team is who this team is. Teams win a lot of different ways. Some of them outscore you, and some of them do it this way. If you can do it this way, it works. And so far, they've been doing it this way. I think it was encouraging big picture that Taylor Heineke was not great in the second half. Reason that didn't bury them is that didn't have to be. And when you look down the stretch now, we talked earlier in the year about how the schedule 
opens up the second half of the season. You say, well, they're going to run into teams that just, you know, they're, they're going to be able to stop the run. I, I was, in fact, I was, I was uh, texting with Robbie Duncan last week, a good friend who, you know, you hear on the Washington Wrap on YouTube with Chad Ryan and a bunch of other places. And Robbie is now, by the way, shout out because he's uh, the offensive line coach for the Western Branch Bruins, who are region champions and are going to the state semifinals this weekend. So good luck, coach. But I asked him. Because you might remember he also, in college, played guard for Old Dominion. He blocked for Taylor Heineke. I said, so how do you stop this off? How do you game plan for this style of offense, you know, in a general sense? And he said, basically, make Heineke beat you. Stack the box, stop the run, keep the commanders behind the chains. That's easier said than done with a trio of backs like the commanders have now in Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and, uh, and uh, Jonathan Williams. But it's also a, a situation where the teams they're going to play the rest of the year are not exactly the type of teams that, when you look at it, are, are set up to stop the run. I, I think the matchups are pretty good. Are the Giants going to be a little bit bigger, better up front than the Falcons? A little bit, but really not much. Giants are ranked 26th this year so far against the run. The 49ers will be a tough one. They are in the top 10 against the run, ranked in the top 10 against the run. Cleveland Browns are the worst in the league against the run. And, yeah, they're going to have Deshaun Watson back, but the way Washington's defense is playing right now, I'll put them up against anyone. So, I mean, you know, the defense is not the problem. Uh, Dallas against the run, good, not great. And who knows by that time what the situation's going to look like. Dallas may very well last week of the season rest a bunch of players because they're either going to have clinched the division uh, if Philadelphia falls apart or will probably be locked into a wild card spot that they can't, you know, do themselves uh, any better. So you might as well get ready and get everybody healthy since you have to go on the road um, for week one of the playoffs. That would present an opportunity for the commanders as well. So, th- again, they are not going to be matched up against a whole lot of defenses that are geared to stop the type of ball that they play. It's going to be very, very interesting. Very interesting down the stretch. And as far as the defense goes, don't forget, Chase Young isn't back yet. And I wouldn't expect him back until after the game at the Meadowlands. If you don't know, the Meadowlands turf is horrible. A guy coming off a knee injury, I don't think you'd want him out there. I got a feeling they're going to sit him again this week. Also because kind of don't really need him right now and bring him back at FedEx uh, for the second Giants game as you start the final, you know, the final push of the season. All right. um, Before we go inside the locker room, we're going to talk with Taylor Heineke and Kendall Fuller there. But before that, we got to get some superlatives from Sunday afternoon. By the way, I really like the Amazon Thursday Night Football theme. 
Bezos did a really good job with that. Brian Robbins, Sandy, is obviously the first guy that you think of on offense when it comes to superlatives, career-high 105 yards rushing. I tell you what, at this point, you might as well just maybe, I don't know, sit a receiver, bring up a fourth running back, and put the veer in or, or the wishbone. I mean, the way, <laughs> way these guys are going. Uh, Brian Robinson had 18 carries for 105 yards. Obviously, um, one of the one of the top offensive performers, any way you look at it. I also liked, I, I mean, I, I also loved uh, the way both Antonio Gibson and Jonathan Williams played. I don't know if, if Gibson was, was dinged or something there in the third quarter, but uh, Williams came in and uh, ripped off three or four really good runs there. Um, spelling him in the second half for a little while. And, and, and A.G. as well, um, you know, again, played well. It's that whole addition by subtraction thing and figuring out what guys do well. And, you know, even though uh, he's sharing carries now with uh, Robinson, you know, he's, A.G. still wind up, wound up with 32 yards on nine carries and another uh, 22 on on three receptions uh, that's that's some pretty good that's some pretty good uh some some pretty good numbers there you know for just an average game with a sloppy track tight end play has been really good as well this year and was outstanding again yesterday i know john bates is gonna get all of the you know the pub because he got he uh, was able to snag his first touchdown pass of his career but do not sleep on the job that Cole Turner did. As a matter of fact, um, looking at, at PFF num- PFF's numbers, Turner was the uh, third highest, received the third highest overall offensive grade, and he was blocking yesterday, not just at a good level, but at a great level, at an all-pro level. That's how good Cole Turner was yesterday, and it's that stuff, man. That really, it's one of the main reasons why the running game has been as good as it's been. Um, it's it's really interesting in that it's one of the few times we have seen um, this commander's team on kind of the front, you know, the the, the cutting edge of a certain concept. And uh, the, you know, the one I'm talking about this time around is uh, the so many teams using 12 personnel when um, when they when they run the ball, which is what uh, Washington is has been doing. And it's really, really worked. In fact, um, and, and Bates or uh, Cole Turner, rather, has um, has been one of the main reasons Behind that, in fact, he has blocked at an all-pro level. And once again this week, this is the second time that he's graded out in the 90s in the run-blocking category. And if he can stay healthy down the stretch, that's going to be a big reason, I think, why this offense is able to move the ball on the ground is because he goes out and, and you know, is able to be that effective at run-blocking. Uh, Heineke did not throw the ball a lot and didn't have to because the running game was so effective. You know, he only had to throw the ball 
23 times. But you see how this whole thing kind of all runs together. The defense plays well, gets the other team off the field. The offense comes on the field, is able to run the ball effectively, chew up yards on the ground and clock. It means that they don't have to rely on Heineke to drop back and throw. They only threw the ball 23 times, ran it 37. Because they don't have to throw the ball as much when they do, the offensive line has been a lot more effective at pass blocking because they have the pressure taken off of them with uh, the fact that the the defense, the opposing defense, doesn't have to pin, can't pin their ears back because they don't know when they're going to throw. The entire offensive line, the entire offensive line graded out at a starter, a starting lineman caliber level on Sunday. That's something you don't see a whole lot. You know, from Cornelius Lucas at right tackle on over to uh, to Charles Leno on the left and everybody in between, including Sam Cosme, really, really strong uh, in pass blocking. And again, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they didn't have to do a lot of it. The, uh, the Defensively, obviously, Kendall Fuller, uh, and it wasn't just that game-saving interception at the end of the game. You were a little worried going into this one because Benjamin St. Juiced was out, and that meant that while the Falcons don't have a really big vertical game, you lose your best cover corner, and you're expecting the Falcons to be able to open it up a little bit. Didn't happen. And that's largely because of Kendall Fuller. Uh, he played really well. And Christian Holmes, for having his first start, played better than you, what PFF describes as, as better than average. In fact, he played at a, almost a starter, a solid veteran starting level as well. Fuller had a cover grade of 78. And Christian Holmes had a, a cover grade of 69. And we've talked about in the past, uh, you know, how how the grades how the grades go 64 is basically what you start at everybody starts at that it's adjusted up and down so both Holmes and Fuller finished in the black which is pretty impressive all things considered Time to go into the locker room, get your exclusive post-game locker room access. Let's go ahead and start with the man behind center. It's all about Heineke these days. Like I said, is it a sustainable model? Who the hell knows? All we know is that despite lack of arm strength, a penchant for YOLO balls, all Taylor Heineke does is win, and that's what he did again this weekend. So the big question... And what I wanted to know was why all of a sudden, after this team seemingly couldn't find its way out of the locker room the first five weeks of the season, have they gone on this run? What has been the secret? You know, we found our identity. You know, what we know what we're good at and what, what we can accomplish. Um, and again, I think, you know, us just coming in every week, you know, especially when it was down, still coming in every week, working hard. Um, yeah, that's a huge thing, and we just knew on the other side of it, there's going to be success, um, and we just happen to win six of our last seven right now, and 
again, we just got to keep that ball rolling. You know, again, the guys are having a lot of fun. We're very confident, um, and we're, we're trusting the, the process. So, um, again, when you do that, you know, it's, that's a recipe for success. Have any of the running backs approached you yet about Jordans this week? <laughs> yeah. Um, AG was already in my ear this week about which ones he wanted. Um, so I'll look at them later tonight, pick a, pick a couple, and, and see what they want. The, the backfield, how much does it help when they're, you know, they've been doing well the last few weeks, but, but this week especially averaging four and a half, five yards a carry when they can go out there. How much does that help you as a quarterback? Yeah, it's a, it's a quarterback's best friend. Um, with the defense that we have, the offensive line, the way they're playing, and our run game, and, especially, and, and our weapons out there, I don't know any quarterback that wouldn't, wouldn't want to be on this team. Um, and yeah, sorry for the hum in the audio there. Hopefully Jeff Bezos gets that fixed next year. As you know, I, well, first of all, let, let's address what, what Heineke said. And he's absolutely right. I mean, this team finally figured out what this team is. This is not a team that's going to score 40 points. It's not a team that can win from behind either. It's a team that's going to go out, play some lights-out defense. It's going to chew up the clock when it gets the ball. 15, 16 play drive. They are not going to – sorry, not sorry on that one. And they're just going to grind you into the ground. And let's face it, folks, it's working. Uh, as you know, uh, every time Heineke uh, wins a game, every time the commanders win with Heineke, quarterback, probably a better way to say it, he gets himself a new pair of Jordans in the opposing team's colors. And – now he is starting to do that for different positional groups. So since this is six out of the last seven, who's getting the Falcons color Jordans? AG was already in my ear this week about which ones he wanted. Um, so I'll look at them later tonight, pick a, pick a couple and, and see what they want. Uh, okay, so I guess it's the running backs, and the running backs definitely, uh, definitely deserved it. They earned them this week. All right, let's talk to Kendall Fuller. Kendall Fuller, of course, with uh, the interception that saved the game. And as you might imagine, that was the first thing he was asked about. Uh, I think it was Payne who just made a good play, tipped the ball. Um, and we just saw the ball in the air. Um, I remember seeing Cordell Patterson and, D and Defoe. And I was just hoping Defoe didn't hit me um, and knock the ball out. But I was just thinking, just getting my getting my uh, hands under the ball, getting the up, my elbows tight, and just trying to make a play make a play on the ball. Well, he definitely made a play on the ball. By the way, uh, Derek Forrest, Defo, he's getting himself quite a reputation as a ball hawk and a hitter back there, isn't he? That's going to be a good thing. Uh, again, there's another guy, unheralded, didn't play a whole lot last year, but has really come into his own this year. You think about it. This defense could be set up for quite a few years to come. Yeah, Deron Payne, obviously, is having a monster season, and yeah, they he's a must-sign now. They may have to franchise him next year, but they'll get a long-term deal worked out. Uh, his ascension, Montez Sweat, who really, really has come into his own this year, seems so much more comfortable both on and off the field. We've talked about that before. And don't forget, reinforcements are on the way. And it's not just Chase Young who you're getting back, but, you know, next year, all of these guys, plus Fedarian Mathis, will be coming back off of offseason, off of uh, knee surgery this year, and the emergence of John Ridgeway, 
this defense could be scary for quite a few years to come. And they're playing for one another. And that is an important thing as well. Fuller talked about that. I went up to Payne after the play, and he said, he said, I eat, you eat. And uh, like I said, it always goes hand in hand, man. When them guys are hunting, we're able to make plays on the ball. And when, when we're able to play good coverage, they're able to get sacks. And uh, that's things that, that helps us on defense, getting off on third downs and things like that. So it's, it's something that we got to keep on going. This team is very, very close to getting back the benefit of the doubt in some situations. It's something they haven't had in a number, a number of years. Take a break. When we come back, Scott Jackson, yesterday's voice of the commanders, joins us. All that and more on the Bob Matthews Podcast right here on the Pigskin and the Hockey Podcast Networks. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team's going to win, how many goals are going to be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code THPN. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In New York, visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call or text TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 and over, 18 and over, New Hampshire and Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, select parishes. Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. New customer offer void in New Hampshire, Oregon, or Ontario, Canada. New customers only one per customer. Valid minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 wager. Bet must win. $200 issued as $825 free bets. Free bets are non-cashable and cannot be withdrawn. Free bets must be wagered one time and stake is not included in any returns or winnings. Free bets expire seven days after being awarded. Promotional offer ends 1-15-23. See terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Time to go to the hotline. Let's bring in Commander's Insider, the host of the Commander's postgame show with Fred Smoot. And just the other day, the play-by-play voice of the Commander's. It's Scott Jackson, my good friend of the last, well, more years than either one of us would care to admit to. How are you, my friend? Doing good, Bob. Doing good, man. Good to talk to you. You too. We were talking before, and I am serious. Uh, and I wish I wished I had known that you were filling in for Bram, uh, but the clips that I heard uh, were 
tight. I mean, T-I-G-H-T, tight. You did a fantastic job with Julie and, uh, and Lunda there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, they made it easy for me. Um, Bram, you know, put me at ease prior to, to doing it. And, uh, you know, CJ, our producer, the best. So, yeah, it was a fun thing. It was a certainly kind of like we'd say a bucket, bucket list kind of moment <laughs> for me as a broadcaster to call the, the team's game. Uh, so it, it was cool. Even if it's, you know, just a spot start, it was still something I'll never forget. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I mean, hey, that's that that's what you grind all those years for. And, uh, you know, we yeah. know it's we know after this, uh, I, I, I foresee, I don't know, maybe CBS next year, maybe, <laughs> maybe Fox. I'm telling you. Um, my my I, I'm, I'm I tell you what I'm gonna do I'm gonna call some people we get you we get you to replace Chris Myers next year how's that sound well there you go I'll take it uh <laughs> sorry Chris yeah no it was it was cool man you know and I've been you know I've been a play-by-play -play for a long time but this is really um kind of a, obviously the first NFL game first big like thing I was doing the night before sure. I, was, I was over in your neck of the woods I was at Old Dominion doing the the Monarchs basketball game for ESPN to ESPN plus I should say and um been doing that all year so I mean, I love calling games. It's, it's my most favorite thing to do. Now, and and I I apologize to everybody who might think this is inside baseball, but it's my show, and so I get to do whatever I want here. Um, so when did you find out about this? I mean, you know, when when was Bram under the under the weather? You know, how much how much time do you have to prep for this? So, well, like Wednesday, I was told like there's a ninety percent chance you're going to have to do the game. Basically, oh man, you know? yeah. So I'm like, okay, hey, would you be up to doing that, preparing, what have you? Like, absolutely. Um, <laughs> then it was kind of more the on the lines of, no, nah, you're going to have to do it, you know, so just assume you're doing it, you know. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. So it was that it was that time, like late later in the afternoon on Wednesday. So tough thing, of course, as you know, Thursday was Thanksgiving. I had 15 people coming to my house, didn't really set up for a real relaxing day just to watch um, football to, um, you know, kind of go over the Falcons. Because that's really what I was more concerned concerned about obviously I see the commanders every week I know the team know the personnel know who the people are without looking at the at the roster or at a sports so it was just like kind of getting a feel for what the uh, Falcons do and, and how they look you know on the field and you know they run a lot of obviously uh, zone read and exception with the RPO so you know Marcus Mariota is very good at what he does he caught me a few times yesterday so you know it was just kind of like that kind of thing and, and there are other guys so that was really my biggest concern going into it and um you know, I, I, you know, it would be uh, great to, you know, think if I ever got another chance, you know, there's like a few things you think about, you know, hey, I could have done this different. I had this that I did my disposal. I didn't really use it, what have you. So, you know, that part of it. But overall, I mean, for the first run of it, first time working with those two in the booth, I thought, you know, it went as smooth as it could. I thought it went a lot better than smooth, but that's just me. What, <laughs> what, what, what was it like for you, though? I mean, you know, I, doing ODU basketball on ESPN Plus, that's very, very cool. And I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're talking top 1% of the business there, but to go from that to FedEx field, you grew up watching this team, you rooted for this team, you do the post game every week, which is obviously, you know, a dream come true as well. But I mean, when you're there in the booth and it's like the commander's network is on the air and hi, this is Scott Jackson at, at FedEx field. I mean, what, what was that like for you? Well, you know, I was trying not to get too like into my, I had about that because like I grew up again like we turned the tv sound off and listened to Frank Sonny and Sam oh, as yeah. a kid and I do you know and they did it for for the that period of time when I was you know as, as my childhood is is a, as a fan of the organization right then you had obviously Larry for a long run and now just Bram so like this like three people have done play by play that I've known I mean obviously there's people before Frank but that's who I knew um so it, it's it was kind of weird when I started looking at it that way because one of my <laughs> buddies <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, trying to text me encouragement ahead of time when he found out, you know, put that out there. I was like, yeah, I was trying not to have these conversations with myself, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to think too much about it, but it really, it really is just like getting in there, you know, just calling the stuff. They had a really cool open, uh, you know, about me being the backup or whatever the top, I don't know, a couple, I don't remember the exact wording of it. I have to go back and listen. So that, it, it was fun. They put, like I said, they did a great job putting me at ease and I did, you know, pregame hits with Julie like Bramwood, you know, and all that stuff. Me and London, you know, talked, getting ready for it. So, you know, just had an idea of how it went. And we were fortunate we had a great game in front. I mean, it was a competitive, compelling game. Uh, a lot of a lot of big you know, opportunities for both teams and big plays, you know, were mixed in and game-changing plays. So, you know, that made it easy, too, because the game went so fast. It wasn't like one of these boar fests that drags on. It was a quick game, and both teams were going to run the ball. So I knew it would probably be a quicker one because they're, they're going to run clock, and it was just a lot of, you know, it was just so much time not to really think about all the other stuff and just focus on what I'm trying to do that I, I really didn't, uh, yeah, you didn't know, get too much into my own head. You know, the only thing that would have made it better is if they'd have had that guy from Westwood one, you know, the one that's got the voice that drags on the ground. Yeah. You the know? guy looks like he smoked like 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's West go to the booth yeah. with Scott yeah, yeah. Jackson. And yeah. Julie that Don. guy's, yeah, that guy's crazy, <laughs> man. I, I don't know how he does that, but yeah. So that was fun though and you know the, the weirdest part about all of it not the weird but the nicest part i should say since the moment and once the news got out there i was doing it prior to the game was just coming home after the game like the messages i got from people that i worked with in different markets over the years or you know cross paths with what have you just really cool uh and people i'd you know had lost touch with you know or lost touch with me whatever you know just go different places sure. different markets it was really really nice and um you know you mentioned west one one of the nicest ones i got was from somebody from westwood one uh, that i known for a long time which was really cool so yeah it was just it was wild you, know, you just never know who's listening i mean you know they, they say that all the time people are like yeah whatever but it's really <laughs> true i mean it really is it really rang true after uh yesterday for me well let's just hope that whoever that was at westwood one uh decides to put you on their roster for next year <laughs> they could do a lot worse all right hey let's let's talk about the game um and, and not just the game but uh you know i'd say the last seven weeks what the heck man i mean this team has found an identity which is play defense and run the ball and it's working and to, i think to the surprise of a lot of people i know you and i were you know sitting there early in the season saying god what a mess this is no doubt i mean i think um you know certainly the, the quarterback change is a big part of it um the defensive improvement for sure the defense you know in the early part of the year, um, yeah, they were giving up big plays for sure. But I, I thought they were doing some good things and you know, keeping the team in some games that the offense didn't necessarily help them. But, you know, they they really, you know, they really have come together nicely. They've cut down on some of it. Yesterday they had some challenges, obviously, against, you know, an Atlanta team, by the way, that runs on everybody. It's not like this was unique to the commanders yesterday. Um, but, yeah, certainly you have to say Heineke coming in, giving that boost uh, in that Green Bay game all the didn't get started very well. It played a really good second half and, um, you know, second quarter, I should say. And then they went from there, even though they had to hold on, um, there's still a lot of inconsistency there clearly, but you know, this not getting sacked five or six times a game, you know, you're not in third and, you know, forever all the time, I think has been a big part staying in front of the chains outside of the Houston game, pretty much being good on third down has been very important too. And I think, um, you know, all those things coming together, special teams been rock solid. Even, even yesterday with uh, Joey Sly missed extra point. I mean, they still did a great job on the best return team in the NFL. When you talk about, you know, Cordero Patterson and Avery Williams, you know, you know, Patterson somehow is second in the NFL in returns. I don't know how for kickoff. And then Avery Williams is number one for punt. 
So they did a good job there. And you know, I, I just think it's all, you talk about complimentary football and it's not exciting. Maybe, you know, it's not, it's not like playing with Pat Mahomes or <laughs> Josh Allen, but this is who a lot of the teams are in the NFL. You know, I think this is where a lot of teams are. They don't have these, you know, former, you know, MVPs or current MVPs, you know, uh, on their roster at that quarterback position. So you have to play this way, like the, like the Titans do. And obviously uh, like, like what the uh, Falcons are trying to do right now as well. And that brings up an interesting point. And one of the reasons I wanted to get you on was to pick your brain about this. Now, you're around a lot of, of ex-players. I mean, you and I, we've watched a lot of football. That's great. But, I mean, guys who have played it, they just see the game differently than we do. You know, Doc Walker, which, by the way, you can hear Doc and Scott, uh, the team 980, new to three every day. Fred Smoot on, you know, the post-game show. And, again, I know Fred on the air is, is sometimes on a different planet. But what do they say or, you know, have they addressed, is this sustainable? You know, as a, as a former football player right. watching it, do they say – you know, it, it's, it's great and just enjoy the ride, but it's going to come crashing down. Or is this, do they think this is a sustainable offensive model for the rest of the year that could possibly get this team into the playoffs? Well, I think the, you know, I think both of them think they can make the playoffs. Now I don't think either one of them is, you know, we actually talk and I had this conversation on the air today. I'm not talking in a turn. I mean, not a Super Bowl team. No, no, no. I uh, would like them to think they could win a playoff game. I think they could go beat the Vikings, uh, for example, in the playoffs, playing physical football and smash mouth. I mean, look, the 49ers haven't exactly had a plus quarterback play in the playoffs for several years. Um, and yet when they get in there, they're always a factor because they're physical. They run. They play great defense. Um, you know, you saw it last year. They went up and beat, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback you know, despite Garoppolo not even playing all that great. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, defense and, and, and physical play, you know, running travels in the postseason for sure. Now, maybe maybe not, not as much in the AFC, you know, maybe it would be more challenging in the AFC than it would be in the NFC because of the quarterbacks in the AFC right now. But, yeah, I, th I think he could. Now, you know, is that Taylor Heineke long-term, you know, and beyond this year? I don't know about, about that. I think Taylor is probably, at the end of the day, a really good spot starter and a backup. But for this team, for right now, for what their options are and for what we saw from Carson Wentz, I think he is clearly the best choice. And you got to keep riding with him, you know. But but at the same time, you know, he can't throw into four people like he did yesterday before halftime on a regular exactly. basis and expect Ron Rivera to be, be okay with it, uh, especially that ends up costing you a game. So those are the kind of things I think a lot of us talk about. And, um, you know, we, we like to think he can get better. But, you know, he's played – you know, a good amount of football here over this last two seasons. And, you know, although I've seen some things better, there's also still some kind of mystifying things that he does, um, you know, as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think for now, this is the way they're going to have to play for sure. And, you know, you'd like to think at some point they could be more dynamic at that position because look, they've got a lot of good weapons. I mean, Jahan Dodson was just doing cardio yesterday as one of my callers put it to me today, <laughs> which was quite funny. Um, you know, even, even Curtis Samuel to some degree was kind of out of the game. Uh, you know, there was not a whole lot of activity for for some of those outside guys, you know, and, then, you know, and that ruled the day for yesterday. That's fine. But, you know, what do you, what happens if you get down two touchdowns in, in uh, MetLife Stadium in two weeks or in a week, excuse me? Right. Know, what, what then? You know, how, do, how can they play from behind? I'm not so sure. And they can afford to do that. So that's what's going to be interesting because, you know, definitely we've seen Taylor have bigger games for sure when he has to throw it around and kind of play with reckless abandon. We just, we just really haven't seen much of it this year. Um, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it's just because defenses have kind of gotten smarter on it too. You know, I mean, teams have seen them enough now. They're like, okay, here's what we have to do. Clog 
you know, the, the running lanes, you know, the, make sure we don't take, <clears throat> excuse me, like too wide a pass rush where, where, you know, it opens up for him to, you know, bust out through the tackling guard or through the, you know, guard and center, like he did so many times last year. I mean, yesterday he did one uh, extended play situation where he had McLaurin in the end and just couldn't get it to him, you know, unfortunately, but it was a really nice play by him to get to the point where he could even make the throw. I just look at that, those kind of things. And I'd like to see him do, um, do that more, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's, it's just a case of this team is what this team is and you've just yeah. gotta, yeah. you know, you, you gotta take the good with the bad. There's going to be some YOLO balls out there and he's going to miss sure. throws like that to McLaurin. And then at other times, um, you know, Scott Turner and give Scott Turner credit. He's going to scheme the receivers up to get them open to to get them in a place where Heineke can make a throw to him, I think. And I think I think Turner called a great game doing that yesterday, don't you? No, I think he actually, you know, look, he, he's not had a perfect quarterback situation yet <laughs> or even no. close to it. But I think he's gotten a lot out of this, you know, these guys in stretches and you know, you're always can quibble about certain calls and what have you. And I think it was yesterday before um, halftime, they had a pretty good drive going and it got stalled out um, because they, um, they, they, they took a holding call, right? Like they had a holding right. call that put them way behind the chains. And, you know, it's those kind of things they can't afford. They can't really overcome as an offense because of, of that, of the things we we're just talking about with, with Taylor and with the passing game. So, and again, this isn't to advocate that you put Wentz out there because again, he drifts into sacks. He doesn't move very well anymore. Um, this offensive line needed to be a lot better for, for Carson to be their quarterback than it was coming into the season. And they've gotten a lot better uh, in, in areas since, since, you know, they made the move to Taylor when, when Carson broke his finger, but you know, you don't mess with success. And I think, you know, Ron Rivera is playing it smart. Now he hasn't promised Taylor the entire season. You know, he, he just promised him, yeah, you're the starter, you know, <laughs> until you're not, you know, right. that's all he said. <laughs> he hasn't said like, you're the quarterback for the rest of the year. I mean, there's nothing under that. We'll see how Wentz does, uh, you know, with practice. And if he gets elevated to the number two, it'll be interesting if they get into a game where Taylor, you know, can't hit the broad side of the barn, then what do they do? Right. And you're losing. Do you, do you just go to Wentz at that point and see what happens? I mean, I think, we could still get to that moment before the year is over, which certainly puts some pressure on Taylor, but it's nothing he should be, you know, unaccustomed to. He's been a backup pretty much his whole life or a roster hopeful prior to the last two seasons. So, you know, I, th I think we'll, uh, you know, if he, he can keep this thing as long as he plays it the right way, but there's, there's no doubt there, there could be a chance to see Wentz again if he doesn't. And that brings up a great point. Um, and, and you're around Rivera a lot during the week. You've been around him a lot this year. And again, I'm asking to, prog to prognosticate and, you know, he who lives by the mm -hmm. crystal ball, so, you know, one day winds up chewing broken glass. But what is it going to take? You know, it, when, what will it take, do you think, for Rivera to make that switch? You know, if, if Heineke plays well and they lose, uh, drop a game somewhere, do you think he makes he makes the move then? Or does Heineke have to actually go in and look, you know, completely overmatched? for him to make that change. Yeah. I think he's got to cost him a game. I think he's got to cost him a game or maybe even two to the point where they're slipping out of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's what it would take. I don't think it's just like one bad game. You know what I mean? And I don't think it's something that he's changing quarterbacks. If it's a bad game and they win for sure. I don't, I don't see him doing that. I think as long as they continue to win, it's, it's not even a question uh, with Taylor. So yeah, I think that's what it would take, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he's, he's not somebody who, um, typically is somebody pulling quarterbacks during the game you know what i mean but you know if we get down to these late season games and it's winter else i mean you're gonna have to at least 
have the mindset of you might have to do that if, if worse comes to worse in a game. Absolutely. Defensively, it's it's it is actually scary to think that this unit could get better when Chase Young comes back. Um, what do you think? Uh, Meadowlands turf, everybody hates it. You figure they they keep Chase out again this week and and bring him back at FedEx after the bye. I kind of feel like at this point you have to wait, you know, one more week. I don't think you necessarily need it, um, you know, need him, quite frankly, um, right now. Um, you know, that, that's the position that has the most depth. I mean, if he were a, you know, right now, obviously they're pretty thin at linebacker besides Jamin Davis. I mean, if he was a, you know, starting linebacker, maybe it's different or, or what have you. Uh, uh, but anyway, he, he's just, um, he's done a nice job, uh, you know, they've done a nice job i should say of, of being patient with him and i think you have to continue to do that there's no rush it's a good unit they're playing well together to gelling um you know you need him to be ready when he's ready and you don't need to rush it and even when he's available doesn't mean he has to play a lot you know what i mean so they've got to yep. be really careful about it and i'll be fascinated to see how they do it uh and he and he's got to be disciplined i mean he can't be taken wide he can't be hunting sacks you know He's yeah. like, the, you know, this is what hurt this team last year. He can't do that when he gets back. He's got to just play within himself and within the system they want him to play. And I think, you know, as it's been proven this year, that'll be good enough for this team. I mean, it's been tremendous. So um, I, I hope, uh, you know, he has that mindset when he gets in there or whenever that is. Yeah, and give Jack Del Rio all the credit in the world, man. I wanted Absolutely. him gone after about the first month. And yeah. he is, he's really, they have pulled it together and he's done an incredible job with this unit. No doubt he has. And, you know, again, he might not be the most liked guy, you know, for some other reasons beyond football. Very uh, true. For, for some of the things he said. But, yeah, I mean, the players responded to him. And I, I give them credit. I, I think this group as a staff and, and Ron as a head coach, I don't think there's ever really been, despite all the outside noise and talking about it, really any moments where they've lost the team or was in danger of losing it. I always felt like these guys had his back. He said they're back, you know, and, and it, that's the one thing you got to give credit for, whether you like it or not. And sometimes they need circumstances to help push them into making change that ends up being for the better. But I, I do think there has always been a belief in, in him and what he's all about, you know. So that's a credit to him and, again, the staff and these guys not, you know, making, you know, Jack's thoughts on politics and policy a, a problem. I completely agree with you. I think you hit it right on the head. All right. Uh, final question. Let, let's project this out. I can, sure. I can get you to, I can get this team to 10 wins pretty easily. I yep. could make an argument for 11, but that's an outlier. And I don't think that's going to happen, but sure. this team is on the really, you know, if, if somehow they sweep the giants these next two weeks, there is there are very few scenarios that keep them out of the playoffs. How how does this thing wind up? Do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I think ten is the magic number for the playoffs. Uh, if they were to sweep the Giants, we were talking about this a little bit today, which would be huge. Uh, I think this one's probably the the most challenging one coming up. The one you know in Jersey because they've had the extra time off of the holiday loss, but they're, they're a little beat up right now too. So this might be the right time. And if you're able to do that, so you put yourself in a position you're going to San Francisco that, you know, you got nine wins that are right there and you got a chance to, you know, really step into the heavyweight ring. Because I think a lot of people see the 49ers as a heavyweight in this conference now, and they are in a lot of ways. Their defense is tremendous. Um, and the, the 
Commanders probably be a prohibitive underdog out there no matter what happens these next couple games when they go out there on Christmas Eve. But it's also the kind of games the Commanders under Ron Rivera have won. <laughs> the ones yep. that make no sense. The ones you're like, <laughs> right. oh, that's an owl. That's an owl. You know, these are the kind of games that you usually win. But, I mean, could you imagine that coming out of going into Christmas if they could have 10 wins? I mean, it'd be nuts. And then with the two games left, and who knows if the Dallas game would have much meaning at that point, um, you know, when you got there, you know, after the after the Browns. But, yeah, I think it's 10. Um, you know, we'll see what just Deshaun Watson looks like. They got a good team. I mean, they had a good team without Deshaun. He was terrible in the preseason, so I don't know what to expect. That's a lot of football he's missed, you know, but he's a great talent. There's no question, but that uh, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to come in there and it's going to be lights out. It might be a little awkward for a while, you know, frankly, yeah. play that many games without him and not really having to practice. It's going to be interesting, but yeah, I, I kind of think 10 to the number. And I, and I think, yeah, the, the sweep of the giants, maybe or whenever the Browns split the Cowboys in, in um, you know, 49er game, then you're at 11 or, you know, somewhere around there. But yeah, I think three of the next five is, is the route you got to get to. And I think this week is a big step to it. I think if you get to eight, Going into the bye week, I think you're, you know, feel pretty good because I think they're going to get some. I, I assume they're going to get some bodies back on the other side of, of this bye week. And then I think that would be pretty, pretty important for them. Especially Un- if it's at the right position. I think Schweitzer gets back would be really helpful. Big time. Unreal that we're talking about this uh, this late into November, yeah. <laughs> into December. Scott Jackson, I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you as always. You can catch him uh, post game every weekend on the Commanders Radio Network, ten to three on the Team Nine Eighty in DC. Many thanks, my friend, as always. All right, Bob. Thank you, buddy. Have a good one. We are out of time. We got to get out of here. Many thanks to Scott for joining us. Catch him this Sunday again on the post game wrap up or at least a mid road trip check-in with the capitals coming up a little bit later in the week we'll try to have samantha felt the washington post on with us we'll figure out what the heck is going on Red Rock. this one we'll talk to you later in the week. remember like the wise man would have said i've been around for a long long years so many a man so great Jesus Christ had his moment of doubt and pain. Me damn sure the pilot washed his hands and sealed his face. Pleased to meet you. Hope you guess my name. But what puzzling you is the nature of my game. When I saw it was a time for a change Killed the saw and its ministers And its Screamed in vain I rode a tank Held a generous rank When the blitz free rage And the finest thing